1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number three of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always online at KDOS1060.com. Live from Super Bowl Radio Row on this Friday, February 10th. Moving things around, having a ton of fun out here on Radio Row. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, 45-day dry-age choice tomahawk rib steak at $24.99 a pound. Von Hansen's own Philly cheesesteak brats at 5 Five ninety nine a pound. Jumbo Fresh All Natural Party Style Chicken Wings at four ninety nine a pound. Let's set the scene here with the poll questions, which we will answer today around twelve thirty. The KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question: Who wins Super Bowl fifty seven? The Chiefs or the Eagles, Corey? We're getting more votes for the Chiefs, but they're still beneath the Eagles. Eagles right now fifty eight percent. Chiefs forty two over on KDOS ten sixty dot com. On Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, which unit has the advantage on Sunday, the Chiefs offense or the Eagles defense? Leading right now, Chiefs offense 66.7%, Eagles defense 33.3 on KDOS AM 1060 on Twitter. Well, we're going to catch up with uh, Dr. Michael Gervais here, podcast for Finding Mastery. I was able to catch up with him yesterday, so this will be a pre-record that we'll hear in just a second. But right now, it is caller number three, 602-260-1060 for the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate. Once again, Von Hansen's is not your normal meat market. They have craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends located at 2 390 North Olma School in Chandler and visit them online at vonhansensmeats.net. Caller number 3602-260-1060 for the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate. And don't forget to tell Corey what your bet is for Super Bowl 57. It can be a side, it can be a total, it can be a prop. Let's get some money for charity as we put $5 on it and we are compiling it all uh, for the entire 2022 season ending here on Sunday's game at Super Bowl 57. But in addition to that, let's hear what I had to talk with about with uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery, who used to work with the Seattle Seahawks and was walking around with his Super Bowl champion ring and just the the psychology behind playing the sport of football sitting here at Super Bowl radio row with dr. Michael Gervais with finding mastery uh, dr. Michael Gervais how are you today fantastic thank you for having me today. you're very welcome so you do have a background specifically uh, working as a psychologist and you worked for nine seasons with the Seahawks as well from 2011 to 2020 so that included two Super Bowl runs uh, what was that experience like well, there was a lot of experiences, you know, trying to work to help, uh, you know, 63 athletes and 25 coaches to become their very best. And so a, a bulk of the work is on culture, getting the conditions right for people to be their best. And then obviously a bulk of the work is on helping each individual person in the organization train their mind to become their very best. So it's the two, it's a two prong approach. 
So my background when it comes to sports psychology is through the prism of playing golf, which is a very singular-minded sport. It's all on you. And yeah, you might have a caddy, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for the decision and the shot that you make. So when it comes to that perspective of trying to meld individual um I guess things that are causing problems for an individual to overcome and hurdles to get through in combination with a team, how do you work through those challenges? Well, okay, I, lo I love that you bring up the difference between individual and team sport because in more ways than not, they are similar. The difference between team sports and individual is that team sports, team athletes have relationships that they're working on that they can rely on and they have to help support that person at the same time. So the, the similarity is that nobody does it alone. Even an individual athlete, such as golf or maybe tennis or fill in the blanks, they have a full team as well. And so the difference is that performance begins and ends. It rests with their ability to execute. And in team sports, you know, you make mistakes, they pick you up. They make mistakes, you pick them up. And so, but the skills are s still the same. So the skill of confidence is still a trainable skill. The skill of awareness, being aware of your inner dialogue, being aware of your, how your um, emotions are working for you or not, you know? And so performance imagery, and I can go on and on and on. So this, from the psychological perspective, the skills are still the same. The only difference between the two is relationships, but, but there's an asterisk because nobody does it alone, even in individual contexts. Well, you're definitely right on that. Front. Uh, anytime I've ever won in a tournament, it's always kind of like you look over your shoulder and you see the invisible people who are standing behind you that have absolutely helped you get to that point. So you're, you're definitely right on that front. Uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery, that's his podcast. Uh, and I imagine you can find podcasts anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, let's get, continue this conversation here. So you have to lay the groundwork, though before the Super Bowl. This is laid in the off season. So how much of your work is done, maybe in, even in OTAs, maybe even in training camp, getting in and having those group conversations and then getting in and maybe having some individual conversations? So it first begins in the hallways. And so you're exactly right about it starts well before the quote unquote big show, you know, the Super Bowl. And I want to put an asterisk in that because this is going to sound blasphemous, but I don't believe that the Super Bowl is a bigger game than preseason number two. And sports fans will be like, what are you talking about? The only difference really is that it's the last game that you get to play in the season and there's lots of eyeballs watching. But the, the rules stay the same, the conditions are the same, you know, and, 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 and. And so this is a philosophy that I'm talking about is that do you see a game as a big game or just another opportunity? to be your very best, to explore, to figure it out, to be a great teammate, to do the thing that you normally do on a regular basis. So it's, it's just another opportunity or it's the biggest game you know, on the planet. Okay, so, so to, your point, to your question though about what happens in uh, OTAs and early in the, in the season is that it starts in the hallways first. So that's how do we talk? That's well before the psychology skills training. So what is the language that we use and what does that language represent? So we work with the coaches and the entire organization first before the athletes even get in the building to talk about the core principles that we're working from, the way that we express that in succinct ways that matter, and, and 
that type of work is foundational. And so that's really what sets the tone for culture. Then once the athletes come in, the way that I tend to work or tend to work is that I work through the coaches. So the coaches have the most intense relationship with the athletes. So if I can help the coaches know how to train the psychological skills to athletes, then we've got greater leverage. We've got, you know, it's more of the water that we're drinking rather than what traditional psychology kind of sounds like. It's go down to that, you know, poorly lit room in the, in the end of the hallway and have a conversation with that person and we'll kind of try to destigmatize it, but still there's a little bit of a, like, what's going on in there? So, so we, we go upstream to get the language and the ideas locked in, and then we do the skills training, psychological skills training through the coaches, for the most part. Dr. Michael Gervais, his podcast, Finding Mastery, here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So before we get back to the Super Bowl and the big game here, so you make this foundational effort ahead of time. And, you know, in, in some ways, players know if their team's going to be competitive. And so how do you kind of break through some of those barriers of, well, we're, we're not really up to par in these particular, uh, you know, defensive areas or offensive areas, and to really kind of come together and have have that belief because sometimes you can overcome a lot of talent deficiencies with the mind. I th- I love this question. You're right on the money because and I want to I want to just parse out the word competition for a minute. You said a lot of athletes know if they're going to be competitive. So competition or a competitive mindset is independent of skill or talent. So you and I could have golf games. You could be really good at golf and then I could not be as good as you. But if I have a competitive mindset and I know how to be fully present in this moment and I know how to drive all of my attention and to back myself or I've got a little bit of like the ability to know that something good just might break open. So I've got this optimistic framework, a confidence about me. I can harness my heartbeat and my emotions to facilitate deep focus in the moment. Like I've got an advantage. So that gives me the ability to access my talent. Okay. When I've got my mind trained on those skills and then somebody who has high talent but hasn't trained their mind, we call it choking. No one's ever choked on the field, right? Because no one's eating. <laughs> Bad joke. As a psychologist, I'm glad you at least giggled. So, but what happens is we choke off access to our talent. And if we don't train our mind, choking off access leaves us with like almost a residue of what we're capable of. So we're working from fumes, if you will. So the, one of the things that we worked on at Seattle Seahawks is having a, we are one of the goalposts is to be great competitors. That means we stay in it. That means we keep our focus on now and not let the scoreboard or the boo or the cheer or the drop ball or the great catch, none of those imposters get in the way of our ability to be fully present in this moment. And so that's how we think about being a great competitor. So back to the Super Bowl, as soon as you said it, I knew what you meant by the Super Bowl is not any different than what you do in practice. It's not any different than what you do in preseason game number two, except extraneous noises here. So. How do you help people understand that it really is just the repetitive nature that you've been training and working toward and put all of that aside to perform at the highest level and not allow what potentially your dreams could be coming true kind of start infiltrating the mind? Uh, This is, I love these questions because what you're talking about is signal to noise ratio. And that's an engineering term, it's also a psychological term, is that the noise around your environment, whether that is the Super Bowl or even in this conversation, there's lots of noise in the background. And then there's noise inside your own mind, self-doubt, self-critique, you know, a wandering mind about something other than this conversation. 
So there's noise. And our job to be great competitors, to be great performers of life, is to know how to get right down to the signal. And the signal is only available in the present moment. So how do we do it? We talk about it a lot. And there's a phrase that we would use at the Seattle Seahawks, and Coach Carroll was great at being very clear about this, which is nobody knows. Nobody outside knows what's happening in this, inside our walls. So let's be great again today. Let, and what does that mean? Let's try and strain and, and become as close as we possibly can to our very best together. And so when people say they don't have a chance or they're supposed to win, what you do with that information is your responsibility. So let's be great at the way we filter it. And, and then he would give us ways to think about it, which is, listen, all, none of that matters. What matters is us being great teammates for each other. So one of the practices that um, Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell, he won in the NBA more than just about anybody else. Like he was amazing. And he came one day to talk to us about being a great teammate. And he says, you know, I wanted to win a lot. And I was pretty good. You know, everyone laughs. <laughs> and he says, so I would wake up every morning knowing that I had to be a great teammate. So before I got out of bed, I would think about how I'm going to be great for each of my teammates, each of the support staff, how I was going to show up for each of them and coaches, how I was going to help them be their best. So that type of commitment to be a great teammate is co completely under our control. And the team that's doing that today and tomorrow and has been practicing it for years will have a competitive advantage, you know, come Sunday. My, uh, Dr. Michael Duray, you can uh, find his podcast, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, et cetera, Finding Mastery here on KDOS AM 1060. And before we let you go here, you know, we've kind of been asking a bunch of different people on Radio Row what they think happens on Sunday. But I want to get your perspective on what you think happens on Sunday from a, a mental standpoint. What team, I know you're not working with them in, personally, but what do you kind of see from the, the head coaches, from the quarterback position, those kind of leadership roles of the mental side of it is going to be what pulls that team to victory. The team that makes this game normal, they just, the coach, the philosophy, the psychological skills training to make it normal. And for many people, it's not. For the family, for the friends, it's the biggest party around. I mean, literally, look, look at what's happening <laughs> yeah. here. And so for them, you make it normal. It's another day at the, at, at the job. It's something we love to do, whether it's on a Wednesday or a Sunday. And um, they free themselves up to make mistakes. So, they, so what happens is we start to worry about making a mistake. So we over try or we tighten up. And the team and the culture that can make it normal give permission for mistakes and challenge them to be their very best to play one play at a time is going to have a competitive advantage. So I'll be looking at like how they respond to mistakes. I'll be looking at the body language at those points. Well, thank you so very much for your time here. It was a pleasure to speak with you and best of luck with your Finding Mastery podcast endeavors. Thank you so much. James Out West featuring Ryan Brooks brings NFL, NBA, and local sports talk to you Monday nights at 7 here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com.
Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com, live from Super Bowl Radio Row. Before we head on out to the phone lines to culminate the 2022 season with Ian Wharton from Pro Football Network, and you can always follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. Uh, Corey, your attention is needed at the phone line, 602-260-1060 for the Porta Subs Lunch for Two, caller number two, 602-260. 1060 lunch for two from Porta Subs. The quality you crave, slicing it up since 1972. Visit them at portasubs.com to find a valley location nearest you. Place your order online for pickup and delivery. Uh, that's over at portofsubs.com. Heading on out to the phone lines now, Ian Wharton. Ian, it's Bob and Kayla. Thanks for all the fun that we've had this season. Let's figure out some some options for Super Bowl 57. Thanks, definitely been my pleasure and excited to do it for one more game absolutely looking forward to it so after we've had a week of news injury updates has anything you were thinking you'd be high on changed or has anything increased your original viewpoint yeah i think as we've gotten a little bit closer uh there maybe has been a little bit more interest in uh stuff like you know like like rushing props for example like i think some of these lines uh, you know, they started out pretty on point, and then we saw some movement upwards uh, for passing props, rushing props, you know, like Patrick Mahomes. We've seen his passing props go up to six yards. So now I'm a little bit more inclined to take the under. It started at 288.5, now we're at 294.5. And so you start to see some of these things like that, and then like rushing, for example, like, um, you know, seeing uh, Miles Sanders at 61.5 as opposed to like 57.5, where he's been for most of the season. You know, those those are tight lines. It's not exactly like those are set for a reason, but we're starting to see the public get a little bit antsy. They're starting to look at this matchup and say, oh, it's going to be a, an offensive, you know, struggle where these teams are just going back and forth. That's not usually how these games work. We usually don't get extremely high-scoring games. So I think we can start fading a little bit of that optimism as the public starts to really put some money on these, the action. Ian, along those lines, I mean, you know, prop bet history is kind of at least the history of this. You can shop around if you have the options to do that because there's some big number changes in you know, a couple of weeks from the time that props are posted and the time the game starts. So this is a whole different market than regular season, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, this is, it's, it's tough in this market, too. If you, if you didn't jump on them, you know, even by the time that last week, uh, you know, we had talked. You're getting different lines. The, the sharps really hit these early, especially, and it's extremely tight. Like I think it's a really good exercise to look back at what happened to these props after the game and just see how close odds makers were. Because I mean, this is this is the one that they can't afford to lose money on. So it definitely makes sense. I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out every sportsbook possible, um, wherever it's legal. Uh, in your state because it's going to make a difference and definitely take that advantage wherever you can. Ian Wharton, Pro Football Network. Follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. The line movement on some of these props, as you've alluded to here, has been crazy. A Patrick Mahomes passing prop is now sitting up at 294.5. He's likely to throw the ball. He's asked to do a lot. This is all something we know. But has it reached high enough now to think about the under, or is it just a complete stay away? And flipping that to Jalen Hurts with his number at 238.5, if it can get up a little bit higher, is that worth worth an under? play 
Yeah, I, I think at 294.5, it is probably an underplay for me. Uh, look at his past couple Super Bowls that he's been in. Um, he's in a 280, 270-ish range. And I think that's realistic. That This is going to be a high-caliber game. It's going to be the best defense that he's going to have played all season. Uh, it's very similar, I think, to the game. Either way, whether it plays out like, like it did against the 49ers in his first Super Bowl or whether it plays out against uh, like Tampa Bay where it ended up being a blowout, Mahomes didn't have to go to 300 yards in those games. I don't think he's going to have to in this one either. It's unusual to get that type of production in such a game because you've had two weeks to game plan. Everyone's a little bit healthier. You're also playing a run-dominant offense. So is there a way for him to get 300? Absolutely. But it's not likely. And I think that that's the perfect type of fade in the action that you're looking at. And that's really where the Sharps come in. They either jump on the lines immediately or they wait till the public has really pushed things into a way too far of one direction and then they play it hard the other way. The Chiefs, they've allowed nine touchdowns to tight ends, touchdown passes to tight ends. Is there still Dallas Goddard value here, or is that kind of out of control at this point? No, I, I think it's one of the few that we could still get some value on. He's plus 150 as an anytime score. If you want to, you can play him as the first touchdown score at plus 1,200. Those ones are, are always a little bit dicey with the first time. I like sticking with it any time and getting a little bit less value on that. It's just more realistic. It, kind of looking at the guys who are potentially likely to score a touchdown, I think Goddard is pretty fairly priced. I, I don't look at many of the long shots. Like The long shots, you're kind of looking at like Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those guys are really random and for the Chiefs game plan, whereas... For the Eagles, it's realistic, whereas you're paying minus 115 for Hurts, minus 105 for Sanders, getting plus 105 for Brown. That one's okay. But I do think Goddard is the best matchup-dependent one, and when you look at these teams, offensively it makes sense, defensively it makes sense. So you are making the wisest bet there. I think it's a, I think it's a good bet. It's not an amazing one, but you're not getting amazing lines at any point in the Super Bowl anyways. Do you think any of these markets like which quarter will have more points scored like second quarter versus fourth quarter second quarter versus third quarter first quarter versus fourth quarter do any of those make sense just in kind of what we've established about these two teams what we know about the Eagles being so dominant in the first half and maybe what we traditionally know about Super Bowls with some slower starts and a lot of points being scored in the fourth quarter yeah, I think, I think you can glean a little bit from that, and I would definitely be favoring the first half scoring over second half scoring, especially look at, you know, look at the, when the Chiefs lose and when high-power offense lose, it, lose in the Super Bowl. Generally, they get shut down in the second half. It's very common for that to happen. The pass rush starts to really wear. Um, it's one of those things where it's like you've just been figured out, and it's funny to kind of look back at the games like that. Um, even if you go back to, like, Andy Reid's Eagles, uh, against you know, way back in the day, even in the NFC Championship. It's just kind of been the way of these high-profile games where defenses generally do a better job, and I think it makes sense, especially the second quarter. I think the second quarter would probably be the best opportunity to, to bet on scoring. And then you're going to look at the fourth quarter. We would think that that's when things get you know a little bit crazy, and there's been some examples of that, but it's not usual. It's normally the other direction. It's going to be a really tight game in the second half. We may only see about 10 points scored in the second half of this game, whereas the first and second quarter, especially that second quarter, we may see two or three touchdowns. So I think this is a great opportunity to continue to play into those trends and consider that year over year, 
generally speaking, second half of games are going to be pretty pretty low scoring and tight. A.J. Brown's numbers have certainly decreased down the stretch and in the postseason. Is there maybe some value now and some overprops with Brown? I think that there is. A, it, you know, you don't want to bet against stars. That's kind of how I feel about these guys. He's not been hot. He has a 71 and a half uh, receiving yards line. He's been well under that. So I don't yeah. think there's been enough correction there for me to feel strongly about that one. Um, he is a tough matchup. I think it makes sense for them to go to him. Uh, but at the same time, that's a really well-placed line. I, I would like to get that number a little bit lower if I'm going to go higher. At 71.5, I'd probably lean towards going under. Um, but we're probably talking about five-yard difference there as far as where I'd want to be. So it's, uh, he's just a guy that could really make that bet look silly, and I think Philly is going to have to use him, but they haven't been using him. So a little bit tough there about what's logical and what the trends are telling us. They're a little bit contradictory, and that makes it a tough play. Ian Wharton, Pro Football Network at NFL Film Study here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. I know we've had this conversation often uh, throughout the season when it comes to defensive props and how hard it really is to kind of try to figure out uh, who's going to get the sacks. I was looking through on the defensive side of the ball, though, and Hassan Reddick's numbers were actually plus money for three and a half tackles and assists on tackles. Uh, Is that some good value for just kind of thinking how disruptive he could be in the in the backfield and also uh how he just kind of plays the game yeah i think there is some value there you're gonna see mahomes so he's been back uh two or three four times in that kind of range in these big games so he is you know kind of liable to get back and give some opportunities as good as he is at maneuvering in the pocket and exploring plays sometimes you are going to see him take those negative plays you're also going to see screens this game. I think Kansas City is going to have to get that screen game involved. They're going to have to get pitches. You're going to see more rushing the ball. Isaiah Pacheco, I think, is a good option here. And those are all opportunities for someone like Reddick. And there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of mouths to feed on that defense, that Eagles defense. They do swarm. Um, but that's that's a good thing. So I think it's a more conservative game approach uh, game approach that you get out of the Chiefs, the better that you're going to find. So I like that. It's a little bit different than what we would normally look at, but I think those are the details. And sometimes it's the, the not traditional things that you have to look at to find that value. Okay, Corey, we'll here's, stretch a little bit here. here. Here's kind of my crazy idea of the week. Uh, you know, let me know if I'm completely out of my mind here. But Kadarius Tony appears to be healthy. I saw passing yards as low as 20, as high as 23. His yards after the catch could result in one play and go over that total. I hope, right? Maybe? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Him and Quez Watkins kind of had that same dilemma where it's one play. Is he going to get that one play? We saw a little bit of hype this week that they have a lot of packages with Tony. Um, I think it makes sense to them to get guys in space, and there's no coach that does it better than Andy Reid. But you just don't know who it's going to be any given week. He makes the most sense because he's their most dynamic open field player besides Kelsey. So I think Tony definitely makes sense to take that risk. It's interesting looking at the Chiefs' line. Uh, a lot of their receiving props outside of Travis Kelsey, it's clear oddmakers don't know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. there's nobody with, I think, a receiving total over 36.5. Yeah, looks like 36.5 is the highest receiving total for any receiver that's not Kelsey. It's going to be one of them, so you've kind of got to pick. Take a couple darts. I'd be looking at, um, I think Tony makes sense to definitely play. I've seen him as high as 27.5. I would not go over that number. 
But if you can get him at 20 and a half, I like that a whole lot more. So, again, shop around for the best odds there. Um, but I do think 20 and a half is pretty reasonable. Ian Wharton, Pro Football Network, at NFL Film Study on Twitter to follow him. So help me out here. Am I getting into the weeds with this one? In the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs threw the ball to 10 different players who at least had one catch. That was a bit out of necessity, though, with some of the player injuries during the game. So then I went to the AFC Divisional game against the Jaguars, and they tossed it to nine different guys. The total number of players to catch a pass in this game for the Chiefs is sitting at over under eight and a half players. Anything worth looking here for just kind of maybe the logic of putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands? Yeah, I think that's fun. I, I probably would look at the over on that because I feel like when you look at, go back to the games that, you know, teams win, big games. You can even say this in college. Usually one of the staff, especially the winning team, digs deep and they do some strange stuff. They, they do a lot of tendency breakers. And the best way to do that is to get guys the ball in space that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So that's going to be the Justin Watson, the Noah Gray, the Sky Moores, guys that we haven't seen hardly at all this season. This is the game where you're going to see them get one pass. It's their one opportunity. But he's going to be wide open in the middle of the field, and it's going to be an easy 15-yard play or whatever it may be. It may be a touchdown, maybe a one-yard reception that hits the over on that. The Chiefs are like the perfect team to take that. They've, they've done this routinely. They also have a, a lineup that's not really standout, so they re- rotate a lot of their guys. We know that you mentioned some of them have been banged up. It you know, stands to reason that that could continue. Some of these guys could get nicked up during this game. So I do think that you know, generally that would be a really weird play, but the Chiefs have built their team to overcome the loss of Tyreek Hill in order to be able to stomach that and, in fact, encourage that type of style. Last one for me, CEH was activated this week. Mike is series here and there. How does that alter our ideas regarding Pacheco and also McKinnon? I think it would affect McKinnon more than it would Pacheco. Um, he's another candidate to say over eight and a half uh, receivers or pass catchers, right? Because he's going he's going to touch the ball at some point. I don't think he's going to be a big factor in the running game maybe in the red zone he might take a red zone carrier too uh maybe you take someone like him for first touchdown score and that's a huge return bet on him and maybe even at any time it's it's a little bit tough you don't activate someone like that unless if you think that they are a legitimate threat to touch the ball at some point um that's the way that i would look at that one even if it's not a likely bet you might want to throw that in there um, along with your picks because he's plus 550 in the time touchdown score. That's a pretty good value, especially when you compare that to, to everyone else on the board. Everyone else is very unlikely. Um, so I do think that compared to his peers, yeah. But I would definitely be fading a little bit more McKinnon. He's been getting less reception opportunities over the last you know couple of games. They've clearly been moving away from him despite being such a big target throughout the season. So I do think CEH has an opportunity to, to provide some value. Ian Wharton, Pro Football Network at NFL Film Study. As we wrap up this Super Bowl 57 prop conversation, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would like to make sure we, we hit upon for the week? Uh, and also, are you getting involved in uh, the, the coin toss at all or the kickoffs <laughs> at all? Uh, you know, I, I try to stay away from that stuff. As, as fun as it is, it's just... It's the literal definition of a risk, and, and I try to stay away from those as much as I can. But 
Um, I am looking at Pacheco over his 48 and a half rushing yards. I still come back to that one being good value. I think Kenneth Gainwell over 19 and a half rushing yards um, has probably been one of my favorites um, throughout the week. I think if you look at some reception totals on this, Dallas Goddard at uh, four and a half uh, over reception yards, uh, over receptions. I like that one. I do think Juju Smith-Schuster is probably my, my favorite go-to guy on the Chiefs. I'm going to take a stab at anyone because that's exactly what it is. He has three and a half receptions uh, for his and 36 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to over on both of those. I just think that's going to be the guy that he ends up settling in. The middle of the field has been the weakness for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to continue to lean into that to Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think both have pretty solid days. And I do still think that the Eagles win this game. So one and a half is the, is the point spread there. I'm going to take the Eagles to cover and the end win. Ian, as always, thank you so much for your time as we culminate this 2022 season with Super Bowl 57, and we hope to be able to get you back next year because this has been an absolute blast. Thanks, guys. I've enjoyed it so, so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy the big game. Enjoy all the festivities. I wish I was out there with you guys. We wish you were here as well. Uh, Live from Radio Row has been pretty special. Thank you so much, Ian. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Once again, he is Ian Wharton, Pro Football Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. On the other side of the break, we will get into the poll questions for the day. We'll figure out what direction we're going for Super Bowl 57, whether it is the Chiefs, whether it is the Eagles. We do want to take a brief look here at the WM Phoenix Open. Uh, all players didn't get the opportunity to finish yesterday uh, due to darkness, so trying to figure finish up round one play round two atop the leaderboard right now in a tie for first is John Rom and Jason Day at six under par my guy Scotty Scheffler he's making a charge here today he's sitting at five under par in a tie for third also looks like Tiger Woods is making a little news he's ready to play in an actual PGA Tour event next week at the Genesis this is all happening here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060 live from Super Bowl Radio Row Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And also, if you missed the news from earlier this week, Apple users, it's ready to go for you, the new KDOS AM 1060 app. All you have to do is put in uh, KDOS 1060. I'm seeing uh, these really delicious chicken sandwiches just walk away from me and I want them to come back because they were so delicious so maybe uh, we can just kind of yeah exactly (laughs) come back the chicken sandwiches all right Uh, anyway back to uh, who wins Super Bowl 57 here and in terms of the app as well let me first make mention of the app Apple users uh, KDOS 1060 type that in download the app we have some awesome listener reward prizes going up on the app for you now Andrew users you're coming soon so download the new kdos 1060 app now over to the website kdos 1060.com who wins super bowl 57 the chiefs or the eagles bob i guess we have to finally have a thought here 
Well, I've kind of had this thought for a while. I have some Eagles minus one and a half. That was from Sunday night uh, of the conference championship games because I actually thought that number would go higher. <laughs> there have been a few twos, including a couple in Nevada on, uh, on Thursday and even a couple this morning I just saw pop up in the last hour or so, so maybe that'll change. But I've kind of lost my enthusiasm on the side here. I'm still on them, but uh, and not as, as enthusiastic as I was because it's, I think there's more concern about Hurts' shoulder than right now the Mahomes' ankle. I still like the Eagles to win the game, but I, I, I think the Eagles have the edge on both sides of the line of scrimmage. The bet I really like, though, is I'm just waiting to see how high the total goes. 51 seems to be the prevailing number now. Hopefully the general public pounds the over and moves it up a little even higher than that, but I do like the under in this game. Neither of these teams really play much up-tempo, and I think the injuries to Mahomes and Hurts are going to result in each team trying to protect their quarterback a little bit more than usual. As far as a score, I'll go Philadelphia 27-20. Yeah, so I've been less convicted than you uh, on this particular Super Bowl matchup. And speaking with everyone that we've had the chance to this week has actually probably made me more confused about what's going <laughs> to happen on Sunday. Uh, because you have the factor of the Eagles. Their their defense suggests that they will be able to create pressure, that that could potentially put Patrick Mahomes in some perilous situations where we've seen him try to force things in, in years past and turn the ball over. So that's probably what they're, they're trying to hope to accomplish. Uh, when it comes to the Eagles, we've seen how dominant they are with 70 sacks. We've seen them therefore then be able to play coverage uh, down the field. The, the questions then become, will they be able to control the ball on the offensive side? Will they be able to do what they've done all season long and be able to run the ball, uh, throw it in the first half, and then just take the life out of you in the second half? So build up this ginormous lead and then coast to victory in the end. I don't know that you can coast to victory in a Super Bowl here when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of it. You know, we talk about him being as good as he is. I really do think this has been his best season. Uh, We know of all the remarkable plays that he does, but just really being able to really only have Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's been asked to do so much more this this season, and I don't think you can count him out. The toughness is there. He just seems to find ways to make plays, and it's hard to say, I'm going to go against Patrick Mahomes until he proves us otherwise. Uh, and then I've heard this narrative as well that who have the Eagles played? And so then that kind of has crept into my mind here. Well, are they as dominant or has it been the competition that has made them as dominant? Uh, with that in mind, though, I think taking the points would be would be wise. Uh, I'm not actually physically doing this, but uh, I would go Chiefs plus one and a half. And so, okay. Corey, who are the masses on? Mass is still showing Eagles in charge with 58% of the vote on KDUSAM1060.com. And on Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, which unit has the advantage on Sunday, Chiefs offense or Eagles defense? Uh, You know, I kind of just went through it here a little bit about how statistically fantastic the Eagles defense is, but Mahomes can certainly change the game on a dime, maybe get that quick game going, dump off some passes, put the Eagles defense in some perilous situations. uh, So they have the opportunities there, but I can't go against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, I am. <laughs> Actually, I just think that the Eagles have the edge on both sides of the ball here. And I know listening to some of our guests, 
uh, in listening to other opinions from the analytics world. I think I'm in the minority here. Uh, the analytics world doesn't think the Eagles have played any good teams or any good quarterbacks, but I guess I'm going to go back to my old school thought process to some extent here. I just think a team with a better offensive line and the better defensive front in football is the better team. So that's kind of where I lead to my bottom line conclusion there. It makes perfect sense. For like I said, I've just I have no real strong conviction either way on this one. The one that I do have a more stronger conviction on, like you said, if you can get through that key number of 51 under, I, I like that one much better. But yeah, Corey, what are hopefully, oh, sorry, the public, go ahead. hopefully the public bangs this total up a little more. <laughs> Absolutely, Corey. What do the masses say on the Twitter side of things? Masses are a huge fan of Chiefs offense. Sixty-six point seven percent of the vote, while Eagles defense is sitting there at thirty-three point three percent. And we'll head to break here now, uh, but while you're at it, uh, we're going to be pulling winners for the KDOS1060.com Portisubs Grand Prize over at KDOS1060.com. Get the big game catered uh, from Portisubs. As always, you can bundle uh, the grilled chicken melt, drink, chip, and dessert. Mix it up. Choose from a variety of sauces, including teriyaki, buffalo, and barbecue. It's all coming to you from Portisubs.com to find a valley location nearest you. The big game catered party up to about 25 people two two six foot subs uh you got the dessert tray you got the veggie tray you got the chips you got the uh salads it's all there for you you don't have to do or lift a finger for anything porta subs has you covered so that's over at kdos1060.com for the big game catered party we wrap it up as we've been out here at super bowl radio row uh and this exciting experience and the chance to meet and interact with a lot of really neat people uh we wrap it up on the other side it is the extra point here on kdos am 1060 final segment of this friday february 10th edition of extra point right here on kdos am 1060 and as always online at kdos 1060.com and newly the app for apple users punch in kdos 1060 download the app uh, Android users, it is coming shortly for you. But it's that time once again here on the program. It is. Thank you, Time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else hit through the cracks. Also, our guests today in the big-time list here, Sam Ponder of ESPN, Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN, Craig Carton of FanDuel, and also WFAN, Sam Acho, author Sam Acho. Also, uh, college football and NFL, uh, actually, actually XFL analysts for ESPN, Michael Gervais of uh, Finding uh, Mastery, the Finding Mastery podcast, and also, of course, Ian Wharton, our season-long guest for Prop Bets from Pro Football Network. As always, thanks to Kayla and Corey and Aaron, and I'm sure Kayla, after uh, the week on Radio Row, you have a few other things you'd like to throw in there as far as the thank yous go. I do indeed. I know you mentioned Corey there, but ginormous thank you to Corey. We had a yes. lot of moving parts that he was dealing with. Thank, 
Yes, yes, perfect. Yeah. Uh, a lot of moving parts that we were dealing with behind the scenes before and after shows as well. So big thank you to him for uh, doing everything and doing it so well. Uh, in addition to that, thank you to Max for coming out. Uh, he's not accustomed to getting up early, but thanks to Max for getting up early, coming out here, hanging out with me, uh, taking a lot of great video and photos and everything. Big thank you to our engineer, Dave, for being able to uh, get everything set up so that we sound great and uh, fixing all the things that we needed fixing uh, on the fly in addition to uh, being able to do all of the pre-records and things to have the wonderful guest list that we had this week. So a big thank you to him. And uh, I know I've mentioned it before, but being able to have the new KDOS AM1060 app, there's a ton of people back at the studios that need thanking for all of that. So unfortunately, I'm lumping them all together into a big thank you so that the app is coming to you uh, right now. Apple users, Android users are coming soon. Up next here on KDOS AM 1060, it is the Doug Gottlieb show from 1 to 3 p.m., followed by uh, the Rich Eisen show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, and then ASU uh, women's basketball is tonight as they are taking on Cal. That's a pregame at 6.30 p.m., tip-off at 7. Jeff Munn is on the call, KDOS AM 1060 and KDOS1060.com. Bob, I know you stayed up, you watched some hoops action. So how about ASU men's basketball squeaking out a victory yeah. over Stanford 69-65 to last night? 14-2 to run to end the game after they buried themselves in a bad hole at the end of the first half and start of the second half. That's becoming a bad habit, by the way, finishing the first half and starting the second half. And ASU over, able to overcome that last night. They should have not much of a problem tomorrow against Cal. Uh, Cal's the worst team in the conference, and they're shorthanded. Uh, also, U of A cruising to victory against Cal, 85-62. to 62. And who else? Tabellis, 23 points on 11-15 shooting with 14 rebounds. Yeah, yeah he's uh, you know, just you know, clinched the uh, player of the year in the conference. There's no doubt. Anybody does not vote for him, and that voting is out of their minds at this point. He's been tremendous, and... He's improved, and uh, you know Don McLean and uh, Ted Robinson uh, talked about that a lot yesterday, uh, last night during the broadcast on Pac-12. Also, Suns tonight at Pacers, 5 p.m. on Valley Sports Arizona. Also, congratulations to our Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits winner, James. Bob and I are going to be making an executive decision, though, uh, off air to figure out what our final bet of the 2022 <laughs> season is going to be. Uh, we do have Kenneth Gainwell, anytime touchdown, already in the queue from last week, getting us ready for Super Bowl 57. Everyone, have yourselves a fantastic Super Bowl weekend. Enjoy all of the festivities going on. If you're interested in the WM Phoenix Open, John Rahm out in front, seven under par now. Scotty Scheffler sitting at six under par. Enjoy the golf tournament. Enjoy everything going on. Thanks for listening. It's been an absolute blast being down here at Super Bowl Radio Row. Thank you very much for listening. It has been The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060.